Part three, chapter nine of A Raw Youth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Raw Youth by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. Part three, chapter nine but i waked up next morning feeling fresher and in better heart i unconsciously reproached myself indeed with perfect sincerity for a certain levity and as it were superciliousness with which it seemed to me recalling it i had listened to some parts of his confession the evening before supposing it had been to some extent muddled and some revelations had been as it were a little delirious and incoherent he had not of course prepared to deliver a speech when he invited me the day before he had simply done me a great honour in turning to me as his one friend at such a moment and i shall never forget his doing it on the contrary his confession was touching though people may laugh at me for saying so and if there were glimpses from time to time of something cynical or even something that seemed ridiculous i was not so narrow as to be unable to understand and accept realism which did not however detract from the ideal the great point was now that i understood the man and i even felt and was almost vexed at feeling that it had all turned out to be so simple i had always in my heart set that man on a supreme pinnacle in the clouds and had insisted on shrouding his life in mystery so that i had naturally wished not to fit the key to it so easily in his meeting with her however and in the sufferings he had endured for two years there was much that was complex he did not want to live under the yoke of fate he wanted to be free and not a slave to fate through his bondage to fate he had been forced to hurt mother who was still waiting for him at konigsberg besides i looked upon him in any case as a preacher he cherished in his heart the golden age and knew all about the future of atheism and then the meeting with her had shattered everything distorted everything oh i was not a traitor to her but still i was on his side mother for instance i reflected would have been no hindrance nor would marriage with her be so indeed that i understood that was something utterly different from his meeting with that woman mother it is true would not have given him peace either but that was all the better one cannot judge of such men as of others and their life must always be different and that's not unseemly at all on the contrary it would be unseemly if they settled down and became altogether like other ordinary people his praises of the nobility and his words je m'aurais gentilhomme did not disconcert me in the least i understood what sort of gentilhomme he was he was a man ready to abandon everything and to become the champion of political rights for all and the leading russian thought of a universal harmony of ideas and even though all this might be nonsense that is the universal harmony of ideas which is of course inconceivable yet 
the very fact that he had all his life bowed down to an idea and not to the stupid golden calf was good my god why conceiving my idea had i i myself could i have been bowing down to the golden calf could i have been aiming only at money then i swear that all i wanted was the idea i swear i would not have had one chair one sofa upholstered in velvet and i would have eaten the same plate of soup as now if i had had millions i dressed and hurried off impatiently to see him i may add that in regard to his outburst yesterday about the document i was ever so much more at ease in my mind than i had been the day before to begin with i hoped to have it out with him and besides what was there in lambert's having wormed his way in to him and having talked to him of something but what rejoiced me most was an extraordinary sensation it came from the thought that he no longer loved her i put absolute faith in it and felt as if someone had lifted a fearful weight off my heart i recall a conjecture that flashed upon me at the time that the unseemliness and senselessness of his last violent outbreak on hearing about boring and the sending of that insulting letter that that final crisis might be taken as a sign and augury of a change in his feeling and an approaching return to sanity it must be as it is in illness i thought and in fact he is bound to reach the opposite extreme it is a pathological episode and nothing more this thought made me happy and let her arrange her life as she pleases let her marry her boring as much as she likes so long as he my father my friend loves her no longer i exclaimed i had however certain secret feelings of my own on which i do not care to enlarge in my notes here that's enough and now without further reflections i will give an account of the awful event that followed and how the facts worked together to bring it about at ten o'clock just as i was getting ready to go out to see him of course daria onisimovna appeared i asked her joyfully whether she came from him and heard with vexation that she did not come from him but from anna andreyevna and that she daria onisimovna had left the lodging as soon as it was light what lodging why the same where you were yesterday you know the lodging where you were yesterday where the baby is it is taken in my name now and tatiana pavlovna pays the rent oh well that's nothing to me i interrupted with annoyance is he at home anyway shall i find him and to my surprise i heard from her that he had gone out even before she had so she had gone out as soon as it was light and he had gone out even earlier then has he come back yet no he's certainly not back yet and perhaps he won't come back at all she declared turning upon me the same sharp and furtive eye and keeping it fixed on me as she had done on the occasion i have described when she visited me as i lay ill in bed 
what infuriated me most was that their mysteries and imbecilities should be forced on me again and that these people could not get on without secrets and intrigues why do you say he will certainly not come back what do you mean by that he has gone to see mother that's all i d don't know and what have you come for she told me that she had just come from anna andreyevna who had sent her for me and urgently expected me at once or else it would be too late these last enigmatic words finally exasperated me why too late i don't want to come and i'm not coming i won't let them take possession of me again i don't care a damn for lambert you can tell her so and if she sends lambert to me i'll kick him out you can tell her so daria onisimovna was awfully alarmed oh no she said taking a step towards me clasping her hands as though she were beseeching me don't be so hasty there's something very important the matter very important to yourself to them too to andrei petrovitch to your mamma to every one go and see anna andreyevna at once she can't wait any longer i assure you on my honour and afterwards you can make your decision i looked at her with surprise and repulsion nonsense it will be nothing i'm not coming i shouted obstinately and vindictively now everything's different though how could you understand that good-bye daria onisimovna i won't go on purpose i won't question you on purpose you simply bother me i don't want to know anything about your mysteries as she did not go away however but still stood waiting i snatched up my fur coat and cap and went out myself leaving her in the middle of the room there were no letters or papers in my room and i never used to lock my door when i went out but before i had reached the front door my landlord ran after me downstairs without his hat and not in full uniform arkady makarovitch arkady makarovitch what now have you no instructions to leave no nothing he looked at me with eyes like gimlets in evident uneasiness about your room for instance what about my room why i sent you the rent when it was due oh, oh no sir i was not thinking of the money he said with a broad smile his eyes still piercing into me like pins why what on earth's the matter with you all i shouted at last growing almost savage what do you want too he waited for a few seconds longer still seeming to expect something from me well then you will give instructions later if you are not in the humour now he muttered grinning more broadly than ever you go on and i'll see to it he ran back upstairs of course all this might well make one reflect i purposely avoid omitting a single detail in all that petty tomfoolery for every little detail helped to make up the final situation and had its place in it a fact of which the reader will be convinced but that they really did bother me was true 
if i was upset and irritated it was at hearing again in their words that tone of intrigue and mystery of which i was so sick and which so brought back the past but to continue it turned out that versilov was not at home and it appeared that he really had gone out as soon as it was light to mothers of course i stuck obstinately to my idea i did not question the nurse rather a stupid peasant woman and there was no one else in the lodging i ran to mothers and i must admit i was so anxious that i took a sledge halfway he had not been at mother's since the evening before there was no one with mother except tatiana pavlovna and liza liza began getting ready to go out as soon as i went in they were all sitting upstairs in my coffin in the drawing-room makar ivanovitch was laid out on the table and an old man was reading the psalter over him in an even monotonous voice for the future i am not going to describe anything more that does not relate to the matter in hand i will only say that the coffin which they had already made was standing in the middle of the room and was not a plain one though it was black it was upholstered in velvet and the pall was of an expensive sumptuousness that was not in keeping with the character of a monk or with the convictions of the dead man but such was the special desire of my mother and tatiana pavlovna who arranged the matter together i had not of course expected to find them cheerful but the peculiar overwhelming distress mixed with uneasiness and anxiety which i read in their eyes struck me at once and i instantly concluded that sorrow for the dead was certainly not the only cause all this i repeat i remember perfectly in spite of everything i embraced mother tenderly and at once asked about him a gleam of tremulous curiosity came into mother's eyes at once i made haste to mention that we had spent the whole evening together till late at night but that to-day he had been away from home since early morning though at parting last night he had asked me to come as early as i could this morning mother made no answer and tatiana pavlovna seizing a favourable moment shook her finger at me meaningly good-bye brother liza blurted out going quickly out of the room i ran after her of course but she stopped short at the outer door i thought you would guess you must come with me she said in a rapid whisper liza what's the matter i don't know what but a great deal no doubt the last chapter of the same old story he has not come but they have heard something about him they won't tell you you needn't trouble yourself and you won't ask if you are sensible but mother's shattered i've not asked about anything either good-bye she opened the door and liza about you yourself have you nothing to tell me i dashed after her into the entry her terribly exhausted and despairing face pierced my heart she looked at me not simply with anger but with a sort of exasperated fury laughed bitterly and waved me off if only he were dead i should thank god 
she flung up at me from the stairs and was gone she said this of prince sergey and he at that very time was lying delirious and unconscious i went upstairs sad but excited the same old story what same old story i thought defiantly and i had suddenly an irresistible impulse to tell them at least a part of the impression left upon me by his last night's confession and the confession too they're thinking some evil of him now so let them know all about it floated through my mind i remember that i succeeded very cleverly in beginning to tell them my story instantly their faces betrayed an intense curiosity this time tatiana pavlovna positively fixed me with her eyes but mother showed more reserve she was very grave but the glimmer of a faint beautiful though utterly hopeless smile came into her face and scarcely left it all the time i was talking i told the story well of course though i knew that it would be almost beyond their comprehension to my surprise tatiana pavlovna did not attack me did not insist on minute details or try to pick holes as she usually did as soon as i began telling anything she only pinched up her lips and screwed up her eyes as though making an effort to get to the bottom of it at times i positively fancied that they understood it all though that could hardly have been so i spoke for instance of his convictions but principally of his enthusiasm last night his enthusiastic feeling for mother his love for mother and how he had kissed her portrait hearing this they exchanged a rapid silent glance with each other and mother flushed all over though both continued silent then then i could not of course before mother touch on the principal point that is his meeting with her and all the rest of it above all her letter to him the day before and his moral resurrection after getting that letter and that indeed was the chief point so that all his feeling with which i had hoped to please mother so much naturally remained inexplicable though of course that was not my fault i had told all that could be told extremely well i ended in complete confusion their silence was still unbroken and i began to feel very uncomfortable with them most likely he's come back now and may be at my lodgings waiting for me i said and got up to go go and see go and see tatiana pavlovna urged me resolutely have you been downstairs mother asked me in a sort of half whisper as she said good-bye yes i have been and i bowed down and prayed for him what a peaceful serene face he has mother thank you mother for not sparing expense over his coffin at first i thought it strange but i thought at once that i should have done the same will you come to the church to-morrow she asked and her lips trembled what do you mean mother i asked in surprise i shall come to the requiem service to-day and i shall come again and besides to-morrow is your birthday mother darling to think that he died only three days before 
I went away painfully surprised. How could she ask such questions whether I were coming to the funeral service in the church? If that's what they think of me, what must they think of him? I knew that Tatiana Pavlovna would run after me, and I purposely waited at the outer door of the flat, but she pushed me out onto the stairs and closed the door behind her. Tatiana Pavlovna, don't you expect Andrei Petrovitch today or tomorrow then? I am alarmed. Hold your tongue. Much it matters your being alarmed. Tell me, tell me what you kept back when you were telling us about that rigmarole last night. I didn't think it necessary to conceal it, and feeling almost irritated with Versilov, I told her all about Katerina Nikolaevna's letter to him the day before, and of the effect of the letter, that is, of his resurrection into a new life. To my amazement, the fact of the letter did not surprise her in the least, and I guessed that she knew of it already. But you are lying. No, I'm not. I dare say, she smiled malignantly, as though meditating. Risen again, has he? So that's the latest, is it? But is it true that he kissed her portrait? Yes, Tatiana Pavlovna. Did he kiss it with feeling? He wasn't putting it on. Putting it on, as though he ever did. For shame, Tatiana Pavlovna. You've a coarse soul, a woman's soul. I said this with heat, but she did not seem to hear me. She seemed to be pondering something again, in spite of the terrible chilliness of the stairs. I had on my fur coat, but she was in her indoor dress. I might have asked you to do something. The only pity is you're so stupid, she said with contempt and apparent vexation. Listen, go to Anna Andreevna's and see what's going on there. But no, don't go. A booby's always a booby. Go along, quick march. Why do you stand like a post? And I'm not going to Anna Andreevna's. Anna Andreevna sent to ask me herself. She did? Daria Onisimovna? She turned to me quickly. She had been on the point of going away, and had already opened the door, but she shut it again with a slam. Nothing will induce me to go to Anna Andreevna's, I repeated with spiteful enjoyment. I won't go because I've just been called a booby, though I've never been so sharp-sighted as today. I see all you're doing, it's as clear as day, but I'm not going to Anna Andreevna all the same. I know it, she exclaimed, but again pursuing her own thoughts and taking no notice of my words at all. They will devour her now completely, and draw her into a deadly noose. Anna Andreevna? Fool! Then whom do you mean? Surely not Katerina Nikolaevna? What sort of deadly noose? I was terribly frightened. A vague but terrible idea set my whole heart quivering. Tatiana Pavlovna looked at me searchingly. What are you up to there? she asked suddenly. What are you meddling in there? I've heard something about you, too. You'd better look out. Listen, Tatiana Pavlovna, I'll tell you a terrible secret. Only not just now. There's not time now. But tomorrow, when we're alone, 
but in return you tell me the whole truth how and what you mean by a deadly noose for i am all in a tremble much i care for your trembling she exclaimed what's this other secret you want to tell to-morrow why you know nothing whatever she transfixed me with a questioning look why you swore then that kraft had burnt the letter didn't you tatiana pavlovna i tell you again don't torment me i persisted in my turn not answering her question for i was beside myself take care tatiana pavlovna that your hiding this from me may not lead to something worse why yesterday he was absolutely turning over a new leaf go along you idiot you are like a love-sick sparrow yourself i'll be bound father and son in love with the same idol foo horrid creatures she vanished slamming the door indignantly furious at the impudent shameless cynicism of these last words a cynicism of which only a woman would have been capable i ran away deeply insulted but i won't describe my vague sensations as i have vowed to keep to facts which will explain everything now on my way of course i called in at his lodging and heard from the nurse that he had not been home at all and isn't he coming at all goodness knows facts facts but will the reader understand i remember how these facts overwhelmed me and prevented me from thinking clearly so that by the end of the day my head was in a perfect whirl and so i think i must say two or three words by way of introduction the question that tormented me was this if he really had gone through a spiritual change and had ceased to love her in that case where should he have been now the answer was first of all with me whom he had embraced the evening before and next with mother whose portrait he had kissed and yet in spite of these natural alternatives he had suddenly as soon as it was light left home and gone off somewhere and daria onisimovna had for some reason babbled of his not being likely to return what's more liza had hinted at the last chapter of some same old story and of mother's having some news of him and the latest news too moreover they undoubtedly knew of katerina nikolaevna's letter too i noticed that and yet they did not believe in his resurrection into a new life though they had listened to me attentively mother was crushed and tatiana pavlovna had been diabolically sarcastic at the word resurrection but if all this was so it must mean that some revulsion of feeling had come over him again in the night another crisis and this after yesterday's enthusiasm emotion pathos so all his resurrection had burst like a soap bubble and he perhaps was rushing about somewhere again now in the same frenzy as he had been after hearing the news of boring there was the question too what would become of mother of me of all of us and and finally what would become of her what was the deadly noose tatiana had babbled of when she was sending me to anna andreyevna so that deadly noose was there at anna andreyevna's why at anna andreyevna's 
of course i should run to anna andreyevna's i had said that i wouldn't go on purpose only in annoyance i would run there at once but what was it tatiana had said about the document and hadn't he himself said to me the evening before burn the document these were my thoughts this was what strangled me too in a deadly noose but what i wanted most of all was him with him i could have decided everything i felt that we should have understood each other in two words i should have gripped his hands pressed them i should have found burning words in my heart this was the dream that haunted me oh i would have calmed his frenzy but where was he where was he and as though this were not enough lambert must needs turn up at such a moment when i was so excited when i was only a few steps from my door i met him he uttered a yell of delight on seeing me and seized me by the arm i've been to see you three times already enfin come and have lunch stay have you been to my rooms was andrei petrovitch there no there was no one there drop them all you're a fool you were cross yesterday you were drunk and i've something important to tell you i heard a splendid piece of news this morning about what we were discussing yesterday lambert i interrupted hurriedly breathing hard and unconsciously declaiming a little i am only stopping with you now to finish with you for good i told you yesterday but you still won't understand lambert you're a baby and as stupid as a frenchman you persist in thinking that it's the same as it was at touchard's and that i'm as stupid as at touchard's but i'm not so silly as i was at touchard's i was drunk yesterday but not from wine but because i was excited and if i seemed to agree with the stuff you talked it was because i pretended so as to find out what you were driving at i deceived you and you were delighted and believed it and went on talking nonsense let me tell you that marrying her is such nonsense that it wouldn't take in a schoolboy in the first form how could you imagine i should believe it did you believe it you believed it because you have never been in aristocratic society and don't know how things are done among decent people things aren't done so simply in aristocratic society and it's not possible for her so simply to go and get married now i will tell you plainly what it is you want you mean to entice me so as to make me drunk and to get me to give up the document and to join you in some scoundrelly plot against katerina nikolaevna so i tell you it's nonsense i'll never come to you and you may as well know that tomorrow or the day after that letter will be in her own hands for it belongs to her for it was written by her and i'll give it to her myself and if you care to know where i can tell you that through tatiana pavlovna her friend i shall give it at tatiana pavlovna's and in tatiana pavlovna's presence and i'll take nothing from her for giving it her and now be off and keep away from me for ever or else or else i shan't treat you so civilly next time lambert as i finished i was in a slight shudder all over a very serious thing and the nastiest habit in life 
which vitiates everything in all one does is is showing off some evil spirit prompted me to work myself up with lambert till rapping out the words with relish and raising my voice higher and higher in my heat i ended up by dragging in the quite unnecessary detail that i should return the document through tatiana pavlovna and in her lodging but i had such a longing to crush him when i burst out so directly about the letter and suddenly saw his stupid alarm i immediately felt a desire to overwhelm him by giving him precise details and this womanish boastful babbling was afterwards the cause of terrible misfortunes for that detail about tatiana pavlovna and her lodging was naturally caught up and retained by a scoundrel who had a practical mind for little things in more exalted and important matters he was useless and unintelligent but for such trifles he had a keen sense nevertheless if i had held my tongue about tatiana pavlovna great disasters would not have occurred yet when he heard what i said for the first minute he was terribly upset listen he muttered alphonsine alphonsine will sing alphonsine has been to see her listen i have a letter almost a letter in which madame amakoff writes of you the pockmarked fellow got it for me do you remember him and you will see you will see come along you are lying show me the letter it's at home alphonsine has got it come along he was lying and talking wildly of course trembling for fear i should run away from him but i suddenly abandoned him in the middle of the street and when he seemed disposed to follow me i stood still and shook my fist at him but he already stood hesitating and let me get away perhaps a new plan had dawned upon him but the meetings and surprises in store for me were not yet over and when i remember the whole of that disastrous day it always seems as though all those surprises and unforeseen accidents were somehow conspiring together and were showered on my head from some accursed horn of plenty i had scarcely opened the door of my lodging when in the entry i jostled against a tall young man of dignified and elegant exterior with a long pale face wearing a magnificent fur coat he had a pince-nez on his nose but as soon as he saw me he took it off evidently as a mark of politeness and courteously lifting his top hat but without stopping however said to me with an elegant smile hello bonsoir and passing me went downstairs we recognized each other at once though i had only once seen him for a moment in moscow it was anna andreevna's brother the young kammerjunker versilov's son and consequently almost my brother he was accompanied by my landlady the landlord was not yet back from his office as soon as he had gone i simply pounced on her what has he been doing here has he been in my room he's not been in your room at all he came to see me she snapped out briefly and dryly and returned to her room no you can't put me off like that i cried kindly answer me why did he come 
my goodness am i always to tell you why people come to see me we may have our own interests to consider mayn't we the young man may have wanted to borrow money he found out an address from me perhaps i promised it him last time last time when oh my goodness why it's not the first time he's been she went away the chief thing i gathered was the change of tone they had begun to be rude to me it was clear that this was another secret secrets were accumulating with every step with every hour for the first time young versilov had come with his sister with anna andreyevna when i was ill i remember that perfectly as well as anna andreyevna's amazing words the day before that perhaps the old prince would stay at my rooms but all this was so mixed up and so monstrous that i could scarcely gather anything from it clapping my hands to my forehead and not even sitting down to rest i ran to anna andreyevna's it appeared that she was not at home and i received from the porter the information that she had gone to tsarsko and might perhaps not be back till about this time to-morrow she was at tsarsko and no doubt with the old prince and her brother was examining my lodgings no that shall not be i cried gnashing my teeth and if there really is some deadly noose i will defend the poor woman from anna andreyevna's i did not return home for there suddenly flashed upon my feverish brain the thought of the restaurant on the canal side where andrei petrovitch had the habit of going in his gloomy hours delighted at this conjecture i instantly ran thither it was by now four o'clock and was already beginning to get dark in the restaurant i was told that he had been there stayed a little while and had gone away but perhaps he would come back i suddenly determined to wait for him and ordered dinner there was a hope anyhow i ate my dinner ate indeed more than i wanted so as to have a right to stay as long as possible and i stayed i believe four hours i won't describe my disappointment and feverish impatience everything within me seemed shaking and quivering that organ those diners oh all the dreariness of it is stamped upon my soul perhaps for the rest of my life i won't describe the ideas that whirled in my head like a crowd of dry leaves in autumn after a hurricane it really was something like that and i confess that i felt at times that my reason was beginning to desert me but what worried me till it was a positive pain in a side current of course besides my chief torment was a persistent poisonous impression persistent as a venomous autumn fly which one does not think about but which whirls about one pesters one and suddenly bites one painfully it was only a reminiscence an incident of which i had never spoken to anyone in the world before this was what it was since it seems i must tell this too when it was settled that i was to leave moscow and come to petersburg i received instructions through nikolay Semyonovitch to wait for money to be sent me for the journey from whom the money was coming i did not ask 
I knew it was from Versilov, and as I dreamed day and night of my meeting with him, making exalted plans about it while my heart almost swooned within me, I had quite given up speaking about him aloud even to Marie Ivanovna. I remember that I had money of my own, but I proceeded to wait expectantly for the money to come by post. Suddenly, however, Nikolay Semyonovitch, returning home, informed me, as usual, briefly and without going off into explanations, that I was to go next day to Myasnitsky at eleven o'clock in the morning to Prince V's flat, and that there Andrei Petrovitch's son, the Kammerjunker Versilov, who had just arrived from Petersburg and was staying with his schoolfellow Prince V, would hand over to me a sum of money for my journey. On the face of it, the arrangement was simple enough. Andrei Petrovitch might well send the money by his son rather than by post, but the news crushed me and filled me with alarm. I had no doubt that Versilov wished to bring his son, my brother and me, together. This threw a light upon the intentions and feelings of the man of whom I dreamed. But a question of the utmost magnitude presented itself to me. How should I, and how must I behave at this utterly unexpected interview, and how could I best keep up my dignity? Next day, exactly at eleven o'clock, I turned up at Prince V's flat, which, as I was able to judge, was splendidly furnished, though it was a bachelor's establishment. I was kept waiting in the hall, where there were several lackeys in livery, and from the next room came sounds of loud talk and laughter. Prince V had other visitors besides the Kammerjunker. I told the footman to announce me, and I fancy in rather haughty terms. Anyway, he looked at me strangely, and as I fancied, not so respectfully as he should have done. To my amazement, he was a very long time in announcing me, five minutes, and all the while the same laughter and the same sounds of conversation reached me. I waited standing, knowing that it would be impossible and unseemly for me, just as much a gentleman, to sit down in a hall where there were footmen. My pride would have prevented me under any circumstances from entering the drawing-room without a special invitation. Over-fastidious pride, perhaps it was, but that was only fitting. To my amazement, the two lackeys who were left in the hall had the impertinence to sit down. I turned away to avoid noticing it, and yet I could not help quivering all over, and suddenly turning and stepping up to one of the footmen, I ordered him to go at once and take in my name again. In spite of my stern expression and extreme excitement, the lackey looked at me lazily, without getting up, and the other one answered for him. It's been taken in, don't disturb yourself. I made up my mind to wait only another minute, or possibly even less, and then to go. I was very well dressed. My suit and overcoat were new, anyway, and my linen was perfectly fresh. Marie Ivanovna had seen to that with a special view to the occasion. But I learned for a fact, much later, when I was in Petersburg, 
that these lackeys had heard the evening before from young Versilov's valet that the young gentleman's bastard brother, a student, was coming. I know this now for a fact. The minute passed. It's a strange sensation when one decides and cannot decide. Shall I go or not? Shall I go or not? I repeated to myself every second, almost in a fever. And suddenly, the lackey who had taken my name returned. Between his fingers he held fluttering four red notes, forty roubles. Here, sir, will you please take forty roubles? I boiled over. This was such an insult. All the night before I had been dreaming of the meeting Versilov had arranged between us two brothers. I had spent the whole night in feverish visions of the demeanor I ought to adopt, that I might not discredit, not discredit the whole cycle of ideas which I had worked out in my solitude, and which might have made me feel proud in any circle. I dreamed of how proud gentlemanly and sad perhaps i would be even in prince v's society and how in that way i should be admitted into that circle oh i'm not sparing myself and so be it for it's just such details that i ought to record and then to be given forty roubles by a lackey in the hall and after being kept ten minutes waiting and not even in an envelope not even on a salver but straight from the lackey's fingers. I shouted so violently at the lackey that he started and stepped back. I told him he must go back at once, and his master must bring the money himself. In fact, my request was, of course, incoherent and incomprehensible to the man, but I shouted so that he went. To make things worse, my shouting was heard in the room, and the talk and laughter suddenly subsided. Almost at the same time, I heard footsteps, dignified, quiet, unhurried, and a tall figure of a handsome and haughty-looking young man. He seemed to me then even thinner and paler than when I met him today, appeared in the doorway, a yard from the door leading into the passage. He was wearing a magnificent red silk dressing-gown and slippers, and had a pince-nez on his nose. Without uttering a word, he fixed me with his pince-nez and proceeded to stare at me. I took one step towards him like a wild beast, and began glaring at him defiantly. But he only scrutinized me for a moment, ten seconds at the utmost. Suddenly I detected on his lips a scarcely perceptible but most malignant smile. What made it so malignant was that it was scarcely perceptible. He turned round without a word and went back into the room just as deliberately, just as quietly and smoothly as he had come. Oh, these insolent fellows are trained by their mothers from childhood to be insolent. I lost my head, of course. Oh, why did I lose my head? Almost at that moment, the same lackey reappeared with the same notes in his hand. "'Be so good as to take this. It is sent you from Petersburg, but his honour can't see you. Perhaps another time, when he's more at leisure.' 
i felt that these last words were his own addition but i was still overwhelmed with confusion i took the money and walked to the door i took it simply because i was confused i ought not to have taken it but the lackey no doubt wanting to mortify me further ventured upon a regular flunkey's impertinence he flung the door extra wide open before me and pronounced with exaggerated emphasis and dignity as i went out this way if you please you blackguard i roared at him and i raised my hand but i did not bring it down and your master's a blackguard too tell him so directly i added and went down the stairs don't you dare if i were to report that to my master you would be taken that very minute with a note to the police station and don't you dare threaten me i went down the stairs it was a grand open staircase and above i could be watched as i went down the red carpeted stairs all three lackeys came out and stood looking over the banisters i made up my mind to keep quiet of course to brawl with lackeys was impossible i walked the whole length of the stairs without increasing my pace i believe i even moved more slowly oh there may be philosophers and shame upon them who will say that all this is nonsense the irritability of a milksop let them say so but for me it was a wound a wound which has not healed to this day even to the present moment when i am writing this when all is over and even avenged oh i swear i am not given to harboring malice and i am not revengeful no doubt i always even before my illness wanted to revenge myself when i was insulted but i swear it was only to revenge myself by magnanimity let me revenge myself magnanimously but so that he felt it and understood and i should have been avenged and by the way i must add that though i am not revengeful i have a good memory for injuries in spite of being magnanimous i wonder whether others are the same then oh then i went with generous feelings perhaps absurd but no matter better they were absurd and generous than not absurd but mean vulgar and mediocre i never told any one of that meeting with my brother even marie ivanovna even liza that interview was exactly like an insulting slap in the face and now i came across this gentleman when i least expected to meet him he smiles to me takes off his hat and says bonsoir in quite a friendly way that give one something to think about of course but the wound was reopened after sitting for more than four hours in the restaurant i suddenly rushed away as though i were in a fit again to versilov's of course and again of course i did not find him at home he had not been to the house at all the nurse was bored and she asked me to send daria onisimovna as though i had thoughts for that i ran to mother's but did not go in calling lucaria into the passage i learnt from her that he had not been there either 
and that Liza, too, was not at home. I saw that Lucaria, too, would have liked to ask me something, and also perhaps to give me some commission, but I had no thoughts for that. There was one last hope left, that he had gone to my lodging, but I had no faith in this. I have already stated that I was almost out of my mind, and lo and behold, in my room, I found Alphonsine and my landlord. They were coming out, it is true, and in Pyotr Ippolitovich's hand was a candle. What's this? I yelled at the landlord almost senselessly. How dare you take that hussy into my room? Tiens, cried Alphonsine. Et les amis? Get out, I roared. Mais c'est un os she whisked out into the passage pretending to be alarmed and instantly disappeared into the landlady's room pyotr ippolitovich still holding the candle in his hand came up to me with a severe face allow me to observe arkady makarovitch that you are too hasty with all respect to you mademoiselle alphonsine is not a hussy but quite the contrary indeed is here not as your visitor but as my wife's, with whom she has been for some time past acquainted. And how dared you take her into my room? I repeated, clutching at my head, which almost suddenly began to ache violently. By chance, I went in to shut the window, which I had opened to air the room, and as Alphonsine Karlovna and I were continuing our conversation, she came into your room simply following me. That's a lie. Alphonsine's a spy. Lambert's a spy. Perhaps you're a spy, too. And Alphonsine came into my room to steal something. That's as you please. You'll say one thing today, but tomorrow you'll speak differently. And I've let our rooms for some time, and have moved with my wife into the little room, so that Alphonsine Karlovna is almost as much a lodger here as you are. You've let your rooms to Lambert? I cried in dismay. No, not to Lambert, he answered with the same broad grin, in which, however, the hesitation I had seen in the morning was replaced by determination. I imagine that you know to whom and only affect not to know for the sake of appearances, and that's why you are angry. Good night, sir. Yes, yes, leave me, leave me alone, I waved my hand, almost crying, so that he looked at me in surprise. He went away, however. I fastened the door with the hook, and threw myself on my bed with my face in the pillow, and that is how I passed that awful day the first of those three momentous days with which my story concludes. End of Part 3, Chapter 9 Recording by Linda Johnson